Um, hello and welcome to this EIQ live. Well, that was very um, sexy. I know. I know. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. Good. I'm very, glad. In my feelings. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm swell. Thank you very much. Oh. So, so um, we're both definitely lying about that, but that's fine. Crying on voice notes at seven. <laughs> Heading. Yeah, yeah, great. My whole life's not falling apart. It's totally fine. Listen, we show up where we need to show up. Um, we're professionals, okay? Oh. We're all, always professional. <laughs> Do you know what I noticed this week though? Um, I did a podcast last week on like basically how to cope when things feel hard. Mm-hmm. And it's the first. I'm just going to turn my earphone off. So first, um slightly vulnerable podcast I've done in a long time and obviously more in the past I would be a bit more vulnerable with things and for whatever reasons that's probably because I don't want to have a breakdown on, on anything I'm slightly less now but it did remind me of like oh vulnerability is nice when it's when it's not over vulnerable and and vulnerability actually like the feedback that I've had from that podcast has been a lot more you know the week before we got great feedback on a PCOS one that we did but like it's not the same and it is a nice reminder of like we always talk about personality a lot and so many times we've had this conversation where we're like you know you can't teach personality and you can't but personality is often what distinguishes the impact of someone's business versus another one and I think vulnerability is something that one we can all probably get better at but two and I mean better I don't mean more necessarily some people can get better at vulnerability by probably being sharing less and some people can probably be better at vulnerability by sharing more but that's what people connect with right at the end of the day so many people are so focused coaches are so focused on the information and that's so important the knowledge the skills the experience is so important but do you know what's equally is not equally but it's up there in terms of importance is your well your relatability your personality your vulnerability and 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 so that was a nice little reminder for me as much as I'm generally authentic there's definitely I definitely hold a big part of my life back in that sense which is important to do obviously no, I think you're totally right. I actually did a post on AFM that was like kind of similar to this of like your, it's not so much like what you do, but how you do it. So, and and I think this is quite relevant for EIQ coaches because most of you, say you have a similar niche, most of you are probably going to give out something quite similar. Um, you're probably all using trainer eyes or half of you are. And like, there's probably some kind of check-in and maybe it's written on type form or like you know doesn't it really matter like that stuff which is often what people talk about when they're selling their business as like you'll get a check-in and you get a change of workouts every month and you get this and this access to the app and it's like so does everybody what makes you different is how you coach and your personality has so much to do with that but I do think like whether that's even just sharing funny stuff but like sharing yourself and who you are and your values and what's important to you, that makes a huge difference. It's how people buy into you. It is genuinely why someone would go to one coach and not another. Absolutely agree. And it, it ties into like literally your marketing every day. If you're like, oh yeah, you know what? Every day I'm showing up on my stories and I'm talking about what I do and I'm sharing client results every single day. I'm doing all these things and it's like, okay, great. But is that interspersed with anything that anybody wants to watch and bring joy to someone's life or help to someone's life or inspiration to someone's life? or beauty no it's just me talking about my clients that's important but nobody's watching it because nobody knows nobody you're not engaging anyone with your actual self um 
But what if you don't have a personality? Then find one. Fake one. Copy someone else's. Ideally not mine right now, because you might be the person that tips me over the edge. But in general. <laughs> uh, Great. Okay. Everyone's got a personality, even if it's not, even if it's a quiet. Okay, well, what if you have a bad personality? Maybe read some books. Maybe like start watching funny things on TV and think, ooh, that's funny. I'll maybe be more like that. Is that how it works? That's what I do sometimes. <laughs> no, but you know that before we do talks, <laughs> I like to Catherine Ryan. Yeah, but I, I, I do like before talks. I think we said this before too. Like I listen to my therapist ghosted me or Catherine Ryan before we do talk because I'm because it makes me laugh and it reminds me that I'm funny. Like you, like these are all things that you have to think about. Don't just digest. If you're boring, right? If you're a boring person, no, sorry. If you have boring tendencies, you're a great person. Don't just listen to informative, boring podcasts. Listen to funny things. Expand your horizons. Have some fun. There you oh, go. Nice to see you. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, next question. Curious, what would be some of your favourite creative weekly reflection or checking questions to help pull out the good and positives from the week, especially if you tend to dwell on what went bad or those things aren't at the top of your mind by the end of the week? Um, can I just say that Stu messaged me this week and said that he wrote his own eulogy like as like a you know like a perfect day exercise or something or like you know like an exercise and I was like actually as much as that's very fucking morbid like it's probably quite a good thing to do because it I think it really puts things in perspective for you like what basically what would I want how would I want someone else to describe me or how would I want to be described when I'm older like do you want someone to be like Emma had loads of successful businesses but like we never saw her <laughs> I would say Emma made me almost pee my pants laughing just when we were taking out the rubbish and I never knew why <laughs> that was I'd say. yeah I mean but then you're like okay it's cool so if that's how I want to be you know do I want people to think that I'm caring and funny okay do I show up in that way or not so I think it's just a good like I don't know if I would do it every week but even thinking of like how would I want someone to describe me and then mm. am I actually acting in accordance to that? Like, if I would want my friends to be like, oh, yeah, she's always there for me, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, well, are you? Mm. Wait, was that in some sort of subtle hint? No. Are you? <laughs> After 20 minutes of voice notes already today? Um, was that in response to Annie's question or was that just some on reflection um, of what? If you think about that, I don't think I would use that as a question every week. What is your eulogy? Yes, write your eulogy this week. But I did think it was quite interesting. And I was like, huh, I'd maybe think about doing that. Like just, because it, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Like what it also kind of brings in like, what impact do you want to have had? What do you want to have done with your life? How do you want to leave people? Like, I think they're big questions. I agree. I agree. I actually started this morning. You know how sometimes, you know, when you first start coaching and some people will get this where you get message from people and say, you know, your your podcast really helped me do X, Y, or Z, or your post made me do X, Y, or Z. And, and you initially, when you start coaching, you're like, oh, that's so amazing. Thank you so much. And you love it. And you really treasure it. And you screenshot it and you save it. And you're like, it's amazing. And then you get to the point where you're like, thank you so much. But like, you don't take it on. 
like mm. and I don't take it on anymore and I and that's not it's not right because people are going out of their way to say this actually changed my life or this did this and so this morning I thought okay I'm going to start screenshotting these things again and I don't know what I'll do with them but I'm going to start screenshotting them and I'm going to take a minute to be like that's really cool every time someone does it because I think we don't do like we forget these things after a while and you're always just thinking about more and more and more and more clients or more whatever and actually it's a nice thing to do to 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 reach out to someone and say you've had a great impact on me but then also to actually take the time to digest the compliment like someone meant it is important bit of a side note too I I also think it it says a lot that someone's like gone out of their way to do that as well like I'm always really thankful of because they're probably like no well I'm sure other people tell her this or like there's no point like I'll just sit knowing this but won't say anything but actually it does mean a ton especially on the days where you're like I don't know you've had some client drop off so you're not feeling that great or something's happened and then you get a message from somebody like by the way I've listened to your podcast for two years I just think you're amazing and you really helped me overcome x y and z and you're like okay it's worth showing up it's worth doing what I'm doing and and the thing is the probably 0.1 percent of people that will actually do that like there's also 99.9 percent of people that won't but have been positively impacted so that's pretty cool as well yeah um Okay, I think other people, if, if anyone's watching this and like has some cool reflective questions or creative questions, reply to Annie's comment and, and share yours. Mine are not particularly wild. Mine are very classic of like, what are you most proud of this week? And um, the, the, way, the places my clients get most creative is when I say what five, like give me five feelings, like five of your feeling words or something. And sometimes they'll get their feelings wheel out and they'll name their emotions really well. And sometimes it will be like a Taylor Swift lyric or sometimes it'll be something else. And I'm like, yeah, why don't you just ask that? Give me a song lyric that best describes your week. That would be great. Um, so like, but the good thing about that is it gives clients the space to be as creative as they want to be creative. Um, sometimes they're really funny and sometimes they're just like feelings and granular like emotions and that's important. I just had the client message me saying, I'm unrecognizably tired oh and I was like oh she was like is it okay if I don't gym today and I was like yes she's like I am just asking for like reassurance so I don't feel lazy and I'm like yeah that's fine well I'm made I've never heard someone say that I'm unrecognizably tired well, I'm very recognizably tired sometimes but then... <laughs> um the one I quite like again kind of makes you reflect is like in five I can't remember exactly how I word it but like would you would you be grateful for this week or if, if every week was like this week where would you be in five years that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then right. if it's like well or like would you be where you want to be in five years and if they're like no okay well what needs to change next week so that you can end the week being like yeah I'm closer to where I want to be in five years ten years whatever mm. I like that a lot um okay. I can't think of that many others I think just the usual things like gratitude sometimes I'll ask for like it's not reflective but like a fact or something funny so I think something funny that happened that week is quite good because then you look back and you're like oh yeah that, that was really funny or like my kid said something funny or and they're they're always good yeah it builds rapport as well because then you can be like more involved like oh that's so funny that your kid said that or blah 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 and it just it makes it less just about the actual coaching kind of comes back to what we were talking about at the start like people aren't gonna people probably started following you. And I know I've previously been quite bad for this. Probably am to an extent where like someone will follow me on Instagram. They can see that I'm like 
a bit goofy. I have a laugh. I don't take myself too seriously. Then they'll apply for coaching and I'll be quite, I'll be like, hello and thank you for your coaching submission. I've reviewed what you've said, blah, blah, blah. Not quite like that, but like way more professional. Forgetting that like, they're probably applying because they've listened to hours and hours of podcasts where I'm being myself. And then they always get like a slightly different version because I think they'll want something professional. And even with check-ins as well, it's quite like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to talk about that because it's kind of on a bit of a tangent, but that's probably why they like you and why you stay, why they stay. So remember that like a bit more personal, a bit funnier with, with your check-in responses as well, makes it way more interesting for them, but also way more enjoyable for you as well. I agree. Mm. Like I had, I replied to one-to-one application today being like, I actually don't really take on one-to-ones unless they're perimenopausal or have diabetes at the moment or maybe breast cancer survivors. And, uh, and I was like, or you have really good banter. And I was like, do you fit any of these <laughs> boxes? I mean, I don't know. I haven't checked my email. So she may have been like, well, that's not for me. But then again, that's turning someone off. If they're like, no, I don't have good banter. And I don't think that's funny. Then I'll be like, okay, I probably don't want to work with you one-to-one anyway. Yeah, good. It's a good way to weed weed out okay Anita's question hi folks I just listened to an awesome podcast and something really struck home it was a statement around how can you improve your body image whilst working towards a physique goal oh okay so she edited it didn't she it was a statement around how you cannot improve your body image whilst working towards a physique goal as they each individually are conflicting entities I think this is sometimes where I struggle when I have clients expressing their desire for fat loss, but at the same time, we're trying to improve their relationship with themselves and their body image. I sometimes feel like, yes, you can. And you can, you want to celebrate fat loss with your client because this is their goal, all the while promoting their worth outside of their body sizes and shapes. Wait, any thoughts, please? Can they both coexist? And if so, how do you strike the balance between celebrating one thing and working on another? Thank you. Do you think that you can't? So I disagree with what this podcast said. I love that you've taken out the names. I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> you did it quite smoothly. Thanks. I think it's important because it's not about the people or their specific opinions, right? It's about the idea. Yeah. The idea, right? So, right. I disagree with the blanket di- like dichotomy of it. I, I agree with the fact you cannot be consistent. I don't think you can get to the most positive body image like that you could possibly have whilst constantly striving to change your body. No, I don't think those two things can coexist. But do I think that you can improve your body image whilst also working towards a physique goal? Yes, because I've had thousands of clients that have done that. And there are so many ways that you can support body image whilst also going through a fat loss journey or a muscle gain journey or whatever your physique goal is, right? It was wrong of me to assume it would be a fat loss goal. Um, we know that body image is like, people say it's, it's not related to like their body size and, you know, within a certain range, it's not. But there is also a correlation between BMI and body image. In that if you're in a, an overweight or obese BMI class, you're more likely to have a less positive body image, right? And it's not, it's probably not because of your body size. It's actually probably because of the weight stigma and the societal norms and the stories that come around with that, as opposed to the body fat level itself. But that's not being completely unpicked. And, and you know, this is exactly what the reason sex finds out. Like, we don't know that. Um, but I think it's, but 
but I think it's an important conversation that that they've obviously had I haven't listened to the podcast around you know a physique goal is not the way to a positive body image like that I I totally agree with that but I don't agree it's not true that you can't support your body you can work on body functionality appreciate your body awareness gratitude um you can like start treating your body with respect and nourishment and rest and have improve your relationship with exercise and all of these things while stopping body fat body mm-hmm. fat is you do such a good job of this of articulating how like fat loss is it's just fat loss everything else is actually the important stuff it's just fat loss and i think can it exist coexist with diet culture no but fat loss i, I do think it can so yeah i think i guess the and i haven't listened to the podcast either but if they're distinctly being like a physique goal as opposed to fat loss because if you're saying fat loss I don't think that's true at all and actually I think often they come together not because you look a certain way but because you're not beating yourself up about overeating there's a shame involved I don't know like almost like a byproduct of I'm looking after my body I'm exercising more I'm eating well I'm feeling better thus that leads to more positive behaviors that actually end up resulting as a byproduct in fat loss I think that's actually quite common um do you think when because when they say physique change like do you think it's true then that you couldn't work on your body image while putting on fat no because you do people do that all the time if yeah, you've got exactly. yeah I wonder yeah. if uh, yeah that's that's a good there's like a weird narrative of especially with your body but not really in other situations of like if you want to change that must mean that you hate where you are or that you don't feel good about where you are but yeah, in other areas, we don't think that. So you wouldn't be like, oh, you want to apply for a promotion? You must fucking hate your job. You'd be like, no, I just want to see if I can do a bit more of it or like get better at it. And you wouldn't be like, why are you reading a book? Do you hate your level of intelligence? You'd be like, no, I like, I'm, I just think I could be more well-read or whatever. Like these are all like positive things. And it's like, why are you working on your body? Because I think I could feel even better than I do. Or maybe in their interpretation as well, which is, you know, everyone's entitled to their own, look better than I do based on how I want to look in my body. I didn't see that's not inherently a negative. And I think because a lot of people have had negative experiences, so for them it might have been a negative. So you might see your mate going to the gym all the time or like trying to drop body fat. And you're like, when I was doing that, it was really negative for me. So you're like, you don't need to do that. You're already a healthy weight or whatever. But actually for them, it's like, I really enjoy doing this and I enjoy fueling my body and I enjoy exercise and I'm not forcing myself to go to the gym. I actually quite like going and seeing my body change. So I think it's like questioning that. Like it always comes back to, I feel like every discussion we have comes back to intent. Like what's the intent behind it? Agreed. Okay, Hazel's question. Hi, ladies. My client brought these supplements, and after a few days of taking them, had a period. <clears throat> Their supplement is called Pro Vitalize. She's going through menopause and hasn't bled since December. So, just wondered if it's a coincidence or if these possibly have something in it that could have caused it. I just wondered if you had any idea. Thanks. Um, I see this question, so I haven't looked them up. Okay, so the supplement is called. Um, a thermogenic probiotic. Um, the company claims that thermogenic probiotics support digestion and immunity. They generate heat in the gut, which burns fat. 
They may also help with fat storage, calorie absorption, and support a person's metabolism during exercise. Um, these supplements have no evidence behind them. Like probiotics have some evidence, have some good evidence actually in specific situations, for example, um, IBS or um, after taking antibiotics, etc. Um, but no evidence for fat loss, no links with that and having a period, especially around perimenopause, it's very, very likely that it, it will it will be a coincidence. I would also recommend not taking those supplements. It, like, I wouldn't just say those supplements are stupid, don't take them. What do but, you think in it? Caffeine and probiotics? Right. So, okay. So the probiotic, probiotic, um, turmeric, mm. moringa leaf extract, curry leaf extract, bio, biopurine. Um, okay, so that's like the, the black pepper type of thing. Mm. To support, I think. Sunflower, um, delayed response capsules. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, what's great about them is that they're keto, paleo, and vegan friendly, and they don't contain soy. So, congrats. oh my God. But yeah, I'm sold. Do you know what? The other day, by mistake, I ordered. So, there's this van and it's a chain. So, here in Austin, they have like food trucks everywhere, as you know. And there's a food truck that I always see, and it says um, no seed oils, no soy. And that's like their selling point. And I'm like, oh, dickheads like that's so stupid and then the other night I was ordering I wanted some vegetables and it was like Greek and I was like oh, this sounds really nice I'm gonna order it and then I realized it was from that place I supported a van that says no seed oils in the soy I thought you were gonna be like oh and then there was no like nice oil on it no it was actually pretty delicious I was just very upset that I gave somebody money that said seed oils are bad and soy is bad but you know well you know delicious if that's the thing you've done then like, oh we know I am an angel okay oops Annie's questions hi again a client of mine who's really been struggling with fat loss the last couple of months mainly impacted by severe fatigue has just been diagnosed with PCOS as I understand fatigue is often reported more in those with PCOS but is there anything different in your experience to support these clients with fatigue or is it a case of her working out what's at the root of it with her doctor and getting support there yeah, I would have a look at her week as a whole, her stresses as a whole, how much she's working, how much she's training, how much she's sleeping. I don't think PCOS is probably the main culprit here. Like it's probably her life around that. And also she can't change anything about the PCOS. I doubt that her doctor is probably going to be able to offer her very much unless she's got like a B12 deficiency or something mm. or iron or something. Um, but yeah, it's going to be more like lifestyle modification. Yeah, the thing like the PCOS does come like co comor comorbidities with PCOS are sleep apnea and of course obesity. So it may well be related to potentially the obesity side of things, but also may well be sleep apnea related um, and sleep quality related though. Well, I yeah. mean, I know yeah. they, but like, is that the link with PCOS? Like, if you're lean PCOS, would you have sleep apnea? No, so I think it's I think it's more that related. I think I've not delved into all of the research around it, but um, so I would like she could speak to her doctor about that, like or do something like get I don't know if she tracks her sleep with the Fitbit or alternative, but tracking her sleep might be quite helpful to look at the sleep quality and quantity that she's getting, um, on and actually asking her like to rate her sleep in the morning, like how did she feel? It's often more accurate to be fair than 
like a tracker. Um, but again, that's something that's probably more for her doctor. There are things like with sleep apnea, like looking at sleep position and stuff, but that's beyond your scope of practice to say, oh, try sleeping on your side or your back or, you know, in a different position. Um, but it's something that is a conversation that you could have with her for sure that she could then take to her doctor if that was something that she thought might be going on. Agree. Do you have any advice as to how to get clients buy-in for practicing mindful inclusion of trigger foods? She's very convinced that keeping them out of the house is the only option, despite multiple discussions around how this isn't necessarily a long-term solution. My experience with clients who had the same belief, etc. Um, I mean, you've done the right thing initially of like pointing out that, you know, do you always want a hobnob to have a control over you? Like you're absolutely capable of eating one. And you don't always want to be like, oh, I can possibly have them in the house. Um, I don't know. It does need to be, it does need to come from her, but I think you've done the right thing in explaining why long-term that's not a solution. Like avoiding the problem is not shockingly the best way to approach it. Yeah. I'm usually quite like, I'm quite straightforward with these types of things of like, okay, well, realistically, how many times have you done that in the past? And how many times has that worked in the past? Do you want to do something the same or do you want to do something that's different and get a different result? And I'm usually quite straight with things like that. There is the element of also the softer compassionate side of this of being like, okay, well, are you are you fearful of that food? Are you genuinely scared of what happens when you bring that food in? Okay, let's do it in a really safe way. You always talk about him about, you know, going for coffee with friends and having it with friends or with a partner or with your kids or something where it feels very safe and then maybe to having some sort of tool that supports the potential anxiety that comes around around that so again it just depends on your type of client so with our types of clients sometimes there is genuine anxiety that comes with eating a pastry for the first time in five years so we'll incorporate things like some grounding work some like um prolonged exhale breathing some box breathing something that is very grounding in that moment before thinking about your intention before you have that and then afterwards maybe having an activity plan so that you can't overeat um maybe you have it before you go to the gym and you meet your friend at the gym so it's like you start to you kind of get out of that situation and it's about building that um confidence to to move forward and again if she's not bought into it then trying these things is is almost irrelevant because she's not going to do it but this might just take time and you talk about the importance on like with her on your podcast or on social media wherever you talk about these things and consistently sharing like wins from other people of doing that um it's really all you can do and give it time I think yeah also the other thing is thinking about like what's her values if she's got kids for example it's like well you know when your kid turns five would you not really love to like how would it feel to be able to eat like birthday cake with them and set that example for your kids like and you don't want to guilt trip her in any way but you know thinking about you know your client what is important to her and how does that incorporate like do you do do you want them to be going out for family meals for the next five years and never be able to eat dessert and never eat the the bread at the table and like the the, and having those conversations Mm -hmm. yeah and I would also I think it's quite good to let clients know that you understand as well because you come like look I know it probably seems weird that I'm like do eat this biscuit and just have one even if you don't really want it just to prove to yourself that you can have one and then stop like I get that you probably like I totally understand the narrative of like why would I do that when I'm trying to lose fat and I'll just not have it 
And then exactly what Amelia said, right, but every time you've done that before, you lose weight for six weeks and then you finish your quote unquote diet, revert back to the way you lived before and then you put the weight back on, like this time has to be different. And this is part of it, like including some of these foods that you enjoy, not saying have them all the time, but the point is them not to have control over you. So you can be like, I'm going to choose to have that. I'm going to choose not to have that. Not, I'm not having that because I know that if I do, I'll just continue to overeat. Mm -hmm. Okay, Becca's question. Hello, how are you both? With a question mark. Uh, good. So good. A question if you may. A client of mine has done amazing with her relationship with food and coming away from tracking. However, with some huge work stressors, she's noticing now she's projecting a lot of her frustrations out onto her husband and shopping a lot, or at least scrolling a lot. She has mentioned she feels relaxed with her food, but feels out of control with these. Suspecting it's some still some dysregulation. Any tips to help her? Chatted this week about breath work and taking time to reflect after work and set intentions for the evening. Just wondered if you had any more tips or advice. Um, I mean, you're totally right. Like it is just a new tool, and you see this all the time. Like this transition of you see an eating disorder, so transition maybe from anorexia to binge eating, or from binge eating to overworking, from competing to overworking, whatever it is. Right, you see it a lot, and it is this underlying kind of unmet whatever the re like the unmet dysregulation that was trying to be met with food is now trying to be met with something else I think the frustrations on her husband thing is is, is less so that she's probably tired like she's got she's stressed that's more of a kind of psychological probably like you know outside of the scope of practice of that's something that she needs to like communicate with her husband and think about how she's showing up for her husband and, I, and I'm mindful of going into that scope of like that's beyond ours but that being said pausing is the, is the best thing here of like okay well does she meditate does she do any mindfulness practice I'm sure she does for record she's working with you but even if it's mindful eating and things like that of slowing down can you incorporate more mindfulness in that sense in the sense of okay well she knows that she gets frustrated with her husband after work okay so can she do five minutes of breath work in the car before she goes in can she again set her attention like you've said before she goes into her husband can she have the, the conversation with her husband and say like I'm really irritable right now and I'm sorry that I'm taking out on you please will you communicate this with me if I do this again and I'll and I'll work to not and just be open about it it doesn't make it okay but communicating is pretty helpful but I think from your perspective in terms of being her coach it's very much about okay well how can you become more responsive and less reactive um and then with the scrolling of the, sh the, sh the sh shopping the shopping um Again, it's the dysregulation. So what else is she doing? Like, what else does she do to have to fill her time? What other strategies does she have in place that are soothing strategies? Because often if we don't have the, the toolbox of the soothing strategies, that's when we turn to food, that's when we turn to work, scrolling, et cetera. So actively incorporating more things into her life that she feels genuinely bring her joy or creativity or play. Can I just tell you, we started a puzzle last night, a jigsaw puzzle with a thousand pieces and it's a great time can she start a puzzle like anything that is quite immersive that is soothing for her like she like helping her to develop those tools will be helpful yeah <clears throat> I also think maybe reminding her of like how she wants to show up as like a wife a partner but because sometimes like I notice this especially I think it can happen with like your parents a lot because you revert back often into like 
you as a kid or like you know your parents are annoying you're annoying whatever like it's easy to kind of snap and stuff and I always think like well how do I want to show up like I'm an adult now like how do I want to show up as a daughter even if they are being a bit annoying like whatever they're not going to change at that age but like I can right so I think going in with that intention or knowing like you know what we always argue when we talk about x or we always argue at this time or like I'm just going to take a different approach this time um setting that kind of intention is important and I, I can't remember where I'm oh do you know what I think it was Jordan Peterson so it's not great but um I thought this was actually quite insightful and I'm sure many other people have heard it but I've, I've like said it but I've never heard it from anyone else unfortunately or I would have quoted them but it was basically talking about how your life is made up of like the everyday so it's not like the wedding that you have with your partner it's actually how you say goodbye to them when they go to work or how you greet them when they come in from work and that's how you build your relationship and that's what your relationship is based on not the one date night you go on a month or that you went on this really nice cruise or whatever you show on Instagram it's like do you turn around make eye contact and say goodbye I really hope you have a nice day today sincerely and like ask them about their day and actually listen and put your phone down and like have quality time together or do you just do like do you just kind of ignore each other but live in the same house like what kind of relationship do you you want and it's normally the stuff that you're not even really thinking about that makes difference like when people like oh you should work on your relationship right okay so we'll take time off on the weekend and we'll go to this nice spa day or something like actually it'd be way more impactful if you were like I'm going to spend 30 seconds every morning just being like full attention how did you sleep what have you got on today oh great like and then ask about it in the evening that would have a bigger impact. I like that. Okay, when removing on food, sorry, when working on food neutrality with clients and removing good and bad food labels, instead of constantly talking about it and exposing a neutral narrative to remove the deep, deep beliefs, it seems to be very ingrained in some people's vocabulary and wondered if that would then impact behaviours, i.e., a client can consciously acknowledge there's no good or bad foods, but then in the week be- between a call or check-in, notices terminology used without conscious awareness, which then comes with some negative thoughts and actions. I don't totally understand the question. I think what you, I think yes. I think the answer is yes. In that, and that's, that's the end of the podcast for the day. The answer is yes. It what, takes. Is it just? I, and taking time yeah yeah because you don't until you build the awareness you don't know where these things creep in like little things like oh I shouldn't have had that like you can say that so easily I actually said this to someone the other day in my house I was like said oh I shouldn't really do this and I was like sorry no shouldn't in my kitchen and I was like god I'm horrible but like these little things you you don't realize until you build that awareness and it's like okay okay objectively rationally yes there are no good foods and bad foods I know this I've seen enough and understand the logic great but then you're in a new environment and you're with like you know family where you've had a different relationship with food with them in the past and so it just crops up like you all talk about oh yeah I had a really bad weekend at the weekend with food and it's like oh new one notice that interesting and it's just with a lot of these things it's just curiosity and so if a client was saying to me oh that came up I noticed that I said this or in a check-in they said oh you know I had some junk at the weekend or something I, I would just pose back it's like a really curious question of like oh interesting because I know how well you're doing with food neutrality right now so interesting to see like these little areas that are still in there and um, isn't like 
as an interest, I wonder if you could get curious about where that comes up again. It's a very nice way to improve self-awareness of these things. And there will be loads of them. Like I'm sure we still got stuff that we're like, oh, that's interesting. Whether yeah, it be your conscious. I mean, I think that clients come a long way to be like, huh. And then I mentioned that that food was bad. Like even that awareness, like, but that is exactly where it starts. And I think then calling yourself out on it and being like, oh yeah, there are no bad foods, cool. But you probably still have things like that that crop up all the time. Yeah. Okay, great questions, everyone. Thank you so much. Appreciate it as ever. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, bye. I want to say hi to Kira, hi to Anita. And Emily says that she listened to your podcast this morning and it was incredible. Oh, and, sorry for adding the names. Not you don't need to be sorry at all. Obviously, we have our expert here who wouldn't use names because she's so professional. That's me. Okay. okay. Bye. Oh, and if you are listening on the podcast and you're like, oh, really wish I could join EIQ. Well, we're about to open for the August intake. So there's a link in the show notes, and that is where you can sign up. Talking of professional, nailed it. I absolutely nailed it. Gosh.